What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another live episode of the Ready Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Matt Llewellyn. And tonight, we're joined by a special guest, Scott Geelan from Across the Pond. Scott, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's a real, real pleasure to join. Of course. Matt, how are you doing tonight? <sighs> it's a somber day. We are gathered here in remembrance of Jimmy G's 49ers career. I am wearing this jersey one last time before we boot his ass out of here. Number three overall pick. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, and that's the biggest news, obviously. I'm sure you guys all know the 49ers now have the number three overall pick, which is huge. Uh, Scott, what were your initial reactions to this trade? And I, I don't know if you saw it before we did how that time difference works. I'm not good at math, so break it down for me. No, I was I was just minding my own business. I was actually at work. I was sitting in a, a mediation, trying to see what was going on, and the WhatsApp group was just popping off. And I was like, okay, loads of people were like, oh my god, oh no, what, wow, and and I was just like looking. I was like, okay, some something's happened. Uh, what's what's going on? And I was having to scroll. I had to scroll through about fifty messages to find. That was Ali, right? That was Ali blowing yeah, his own mind. Yeah. Lost his head lost his head had to scroll through all these messages and then suddenly i found the chef de bomb and i was still like just had to check is this a real chef de bomb is this are we all are we all been suckered and then i and then yeah and then i found out and it was i was i think i was just sitting there and i could just see on my face on this like video i was on just this big smile and i was like i hope they don't they can't tell that i'm not paying any attention to this because whatever it is it would not be giving me this grin if i was but yeah it was um it was a shock. It was kind of a shock in that it was like it was on the cards, but the fact that it just like happened, and they went from from twelve to three, and that was yeah, it was it was big. Yeah, that that was a huge trade. Um, and, and you know the fact that the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch were able to, you know, put it out there to put it you know mildly and get this trade done. I think it speaks to. Them understanding that their Super Bowl window, if they don't do this, is all but shut. I mean, it's closing quickly. And I forget which one of the beat writers tweeted out today that pretty much extends that Super Bowl window. Uh, Matt, do you agree with that? Do you think that, that that's exactly what this trade did? What it does is it, it you know, it was readily apparent they were probably going to do this as soon as Trent Williams signed that massive deal. What it does is it resets the clock on having that big money quarterback again for another four to five years. Um, and let me address in the chat, by the way, I'm not saying we're getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo day one, although it's possible we get rid of him before the draft. I think I'm thinking more likely depending on who they draft, you'll probably make it to about the trade deadline. And then Jimmy's going to go for a multitude of reasons, but you want to get the rookie ready. You want to get him in there. And I think you can stack this team well enough with the other draft picks they're going to have to set him up for success, especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I know people say that it's difficult, but Kyle knows enough to know, hey, I can dumb this down for a rookie a little bit. We're going to get, we're going to spoon feed him concepts as we go along, put in some packages, keep things simple. And you can win that way with enough surrounding talent. Unlike other teams who pick in the top three and pick those rookie quarterbacks, like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Zach Wilson, potentially going number two, whoever the 49ers pick at three is going to be set up for success with an actual good team. So, there's no excuse for them not to be able to, you know, build upon this quarterback unless they just absolutely foul it up. And we'll get into it. I'm, I'm going to rant a little bit because if they draft Mac Jones, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, do you want to get into that right now or do you want to save it for a little later? 
Uh, we we could save it. We could save it because this is such a big piece of of trade news um, that I just think that it it bears because they gave up a lot. I mean, it, it's again, there are some people on Twitter who are absolutely losing their mind, being like, "Oh, it's Panay Sewell. Oh, they're going to draft you know a tackle," and it's like, what? 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 You don't give up two for future first round picks, a twenty twenty two third round pick, and swapping picks to go up nine places to draft a tackle. When Panay Sewell, by the way, uh, I don't like him as much as Rashawn Slater based on the tape. I think Rashawn Slater is a cleaner prospect. But, yeah, you have to go for one of the guys. And to me, um, it speaks on they like at least two of these quarterbacks. Because the trade up to three means you know Trevor Lawrence is probably going to the Jacksonville Jaguars unless Urban Meyer is absolutely out of his mind. And so you're looking at... Zach Wilson, maybe Trey Lance, because the Jets did have representation there. Um, I know Justin Fields, maybe he still has to have his pro day. So it'll be interesting to see who actually shows up there. Um, That could kind of clue us in a little bit. But they had to go up to three to get their guy. And you don't jump all the way to three to draft, as Scott said, quarterback five. Scott, why don't you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones is a guy who you'd have thought based on the, the the prospects that were available, based on some of the other high-level talent at other positions, Mac Jones wasn't a guy, if they were calling the Bengals, if they were calling other teams kind of slightly below three, that you were going to say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do all that it takes in terms of giving up future draft picks, first, first round pick in 22, first round pick in 2023, to say, right, and we're going to now draft a guy who... He can he would can definitely run the offense that the 49ers have been running with Jimmy Garoppolo and Mullins to a high level, maybe a higher level if he hits his ceiling. I mean, you never know. He played on a, a team that was way more talented than anyone else they came up against in the college game, the NFL. The the skill gap is is much, much smaller. Um you don't draft that guy who can run that offense really well when kind of the, the feeling is that that offense is only going to get you so far. When you look at the NFL in 2021. You want a guy who's going to run an offense that can score in one play. The defense is is scared of going, not just getting something after Yak, hitting a quick ball and letting a Debo run over three cornerbacks and 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 go 80 yards. You're looking at a defense which is going, shit, this guy can throw it over our heads. And we're now putting our safeties back. Now that opens up the Yak game more. You're looking for a quarterback who opens up the offense, not a quarterback who just executes what the offense that they're already doing to a higher level, potentially. Yeah, great breakdown. Um, and I, I just – we discussed a little bit of that earlier. Um, Matt and I, myself, did. You guys will check it out later in the Week of Niners News. But I just don't understand the talk. And I know Matt's going to get into it in a bit with his Matt rant. Scott, wh- I, I keep thinking quarterback, but is there any possible way the 49ers made this trade to not get a quarterback? Because I've seen some guys, uh, these, these bigger NFL writers that are saying – Look, they're not 100% sold on getting a quarterback. There, It's possible they could be addressing another position. There's no way that's happening, right? They just gave Trent Williams how much money? Like, that Trent Williams is their left tackle for the next, like, season or two. Well, two seasons, if not more, probably three, practically. Um, and then you're looking on and you're saying maybe they restructure and whatever. But Trent Williams is their left tackle. Right tackle... Who knows? Like McGlinchey's not isn't hasn't been lauded particularly by by anyone, but you get the impression that especially if you're doing you've got a quarterback who can move a bit more, you don't need like the best right tackle in football. The Chiefs kind of got to the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, and 
uh, particularly Fisher. Fisher is not an elite left tackle. McGlinchey could end up being that kind of Fisher type player, like former first rounder, has some elite physical tools. He does real work for you in the run game and he's a functional pass protector or a good pass protector, but not an elite pass protector, which doesn't matter when you've got a Trey Lance, a Justin Fields, a Zach Wilson, who's doing things off schedule, who's moving out the pocket, who's beating the rush himself, like basically re reducing the level required for the pass blockers. So I don't think they're going to go tackle. Otherwise, you're looking at like positional value. How many draft picks are you trading for what, an edge rusher? Obviously, they've got Boza. Is there an edge rusher who's who's so good? You're trading way all your first round picks the next two seasons for like wide receiver. Is there a wide receiver who's so good in this draft that you're trading? No. So it's like, okay. So what? Who? What are they going to draft? But what position is that? Are they going to like? Are they have they fallen in love with J.C. Horn when they've just got Verrett and Eman's like bargain? Like that's literally all I can think of. Are they maybe going to go cornerback? But that would be completely ludicrous based on the value that they've given up given they could have sat at 12 and probably got one of the best corner prospects in the draft. Like it is, it's got to be course back all the way, hasn't it? I agree. That's absolutely what it's got to be. Um, you don't, you don't give up that much draft capital for any other position, especially in a year where you think you need it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, you know, you speak on McGlinchey not being that elite tackle and as a pass blocker, no, he's not, but one of these quarterbacks, whether Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, they're not going to do the typical thing that Jimmy does, get the happy feet and just take a sack, you know, hold on to the ball too long. You hope that they have pocket presence, and because they're so fast, they can take off, which is not a dynamic the 49ers have had under Kyle Shanahan. Um, so to me, it's, it's readily apparent that they're going to take a quarterback. And I might as well get into this now. All these beat writers, they're so full of shit. Uh, okay. You okay. Your you do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. Play, right. play the video. Play Let's the damn video. It. Okay. Listen, Chris Sims, Matt Mayoko, Mortensen. I'm gonna throw you in there too because you jumped on the pile. And anybody else who says, "Oh, Mac Jones at number three, you're idiots." Okay, for weeks the 49ers have been trying to move up into the top five. Okay, you guys didn't have a fuck all's notice that they were going to do it, and now all of a sudden each and every one of you thinks you know that Kyle Shanahan's going to take Mac Jones at number three. Why? Because you think he's a Kyle Shanahan guy. What does that even mean? Because he looks like Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's it baffles me that that people think this, and it's absolutely irresponsible. What they're doing is they're putting out a narrative in the end of March, beginning of April. Oh, Mac Jones is the guy, right? And so if they hit on it, they can look back and be like, you heard it here first. Oh, we called it. And they get those points, right, with the fan base. Oh, they knew. They absolutely knew. And we all know who does this because it's not just limited to the beat writers. It's, it goes for the wannabes too. And so if it doesn't happen, well, Justin Fields hasn't had his pro day yet. So – there's your built-in excuse right there. Oh, well, if it's Justin Fields, they go, oh, well, it was Justin Fields' pro day that that sold them on it, right? Or if it's Trey Lance, it's like, well, Trey Lance, they just thought he had so much more upside, so they went the upside route. They're giving themselves a narrative to create talking points to promote their own brand, but they're really full of shit, and it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Anyone on their face, I challenge you, okay? And I know pro days aren't everything, right? They're really not anything, but they are a showcase of your arm strength and your ability to spin the ball, 
Um, and whether or not that translates to game is irrelevant. You cannot look at Mac Jones' first first three throws and then hold him up to any three throws of any of the other prospects and be like, oh, Mac Jones at three, that's the guy. Absolutely ridiculous. And Scott, while we have you here, why don't we get into it? Because this is something that we had kind of touched on earlier. Um, what exactly defines a Kyle Shanahan guy? Because all these people sit here and they're like, oh, well, he obviously, he was he was the one that, you know, wanted Kirk Cousins. It's like, I mean, maybe, but he's not responsible for that decision. Who has he actually drafted that was his guy? Kirk Cousins was under his father's regime, okay? Uh, Matt Schaub, he inherited. Uh, Matt Ryan, he inherited. Johnny Menzel, he didn't like. So who has he actually drafted other than C.J. Beathard, who, again, was understandably a mid-round guy that, you know, really was a culture builder because he's tougher than a $2 steak. What exactly is a Shanahan guy? Because I saw after the Buffalo Bills game where Josh Allen carved us up like a roast, Kyle Shanahan saying, like, you know what? That extra dimension actually does mean something. And if you get the right guy and you have those dimensions, you can win football games. What is a Kyle Shanahan guy, Scott? Well, exactly. Like we, we have no idea what a Kyle Shanahan guy is. I think Kyle Shanahan is is one of the few coaches in the NFL who can say like his system is genu- genuinely amoebic. You can look at every single QB he's got, and obviously you talk. You know there are like generalizations about quarterbacks. Like oh, he can read a defense. It's like great. Like there are so many layers to this that we're talking. Like there's so many. This is such a spectrum of like reading a defense. Or he can play on the move. It's like okay, there are so many. There's there's so many layers to playing on the move. It's like what kind of throws can he make? Carl Shanahan has had success with such a variety of quarterbacks in his career. Matt Schaub, RG three. Kirk Cousins, like they didn't even look, he didn't look bad in Cleveland with Brian Hoyer even. Like he looked okay with Bethard, Mullins, Garoppolo, Matt Ryan. Like he's literally had success with so many different types of guys. Carl Shanahan is an absolute pro and he's so good at understanding what players can do and what situation to put them in. People who say Carl Shanahan can't assess talent are chatting absolute rubbish. It's like you don't consistently yep. put players in situations that accentuate their strengths and mask their weaknesses if you can't assess talent. Carl Shanahan knows what he what quarterbacks in this league are doing. He knows what the, how the league is going. He knows the stretch. He's this guy's he's like a savant. He understands the difficulties that just having a fullback in the run game does to defensive gap assignments. The shit that it plays on them and having running backs that run a 4-3 that if a linebacker takes a brief false step are going through that gap and going 80 yards, he knows that. He knows that if he adds a quarterback to the mix that also adds a layer of doubt, that's just another another thing. He knows already that defences don't respect Garoppolo. The 49ers front office apparently is known, has known it for a while. Like, yes, they say, oh, the Super Bowl. There's people, the 49ers internally blame Garoppolo for the Super Bowl. We saw the 49ers play calling during the playoffs. The 49ers knew what was wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs, not even the Super Bowl. They probably knew what, it was, what was wrong with him in the season. They saw defences were going eight-man box, nine-man box, and saying, we do not respect your passing game. You, if you want to tr- chuck these little short passes, if you want to try and run on us, we're going to make it as hard as fuck for you as possible. Casey did it in the Super Bowl and kicked him in the teeth and won in the fourth quarter, completely destroyed Garoppolo. Carl Shanahan knows all of this. We don't know what kind of quarterback he wants. What we probably know is that he wants a quarterback who has got as many elite tools as possible. And that's not Mac Jones. We, he, knows, no. he wants a quarterback who's got layers, and that's not Mac Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing. All the people that say Kyle can't develop quarterbacks. Okay, well, let's just take the the top three quarterbacks that he's had in his career. Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Schaub. Who led them to their best season? 
Matt Ryan was an MVP under Kyle Shanahan. Matt Schaub was a pro bowler under Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy Garoppolo was a starting Super Bowl quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. So all this, and, and by the way, none of those quarterbacks have reached that those heights since. So to me, it speaks to what Kyle brings to the table. And Kyle has a fantastic scheme that just befuddles everybody. So you get an elite talent in there. I mean, listen, Matt Ryan was MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. They lost that Super Bowl, but notwithstanding, Matt Ryan is probably the best quarterback that he's coached. Now you get one of these guys who have the potential to be even better. I mean, if he can even get close to what Matt Ryan was, this, listen, if one of these quarterbacks even turns out to be as good as a Dak Prescott, say, the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders every year. It just has to be better than what Jimmy Garoppolo is. And even Jimmy Garoppolo, the season that he was healthy, was almost good enough. So if you get even incremental improvement, and you get a guy that's healthy, this is a perennial playoff team for the next 10 to 15 years. I mean, so Kyle Shanahan guy, I guess we're going to find out at number three, but you know, this, to this point, he can't develop rookies. Uh, you know, that I think that's silly. He can develop any quarterback. He's done it with vets, which is to me harder than rookies because the vets have more, are more set in their ways. They have cachet in the league, right? A rookie is going to be like, yes, sir. No, sir. Tell me what to do. Mold me. And so I think that this is going to be something that's going to be, you know, a big home run for the 49ers. If I had to guess, obviously there's potential for them to fail, but what I know about Kyle and what he can work with quarterbacks, I think he's, he's going to do a great job picking this, this guy, whoever it is. I agree a hundred percent. And Scott, there's been so much talk, obviously we discussed why it shouldn't be Mac Jones pretty much, but now it's, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Basically, you're left with two out of three really good quarterbacks, depending, you know, after the Jets make their pick, which from all indications, it seems like it's going to be Zach Wilson. Um, we're going to introduce our new segment, which we should have done a little earlier, which is shit from a Brit. And Scott, you can go ahead and explain to us which of the three you are hoping the 49ers end up. Play with. the video. Play Why? the video. Play Here's it. Video. Those production values. Well, it's, a, it's probably a bad time to ask me this question because I, I was uh, I'm on the hunt for some all twenty two of these quarterbacks. I potentially have some hit in my inbox later, which so I can really kind of dive in and, and watch them. But obviously, I've I've heard you guys talking about them. I know Matt's watched them closely. I know Stuart's watched them. I've I've read the PFF draft guide. I've I've read various things, and I think. Looking at kind of Fields, looking at Lance, Fields is obviously the guy who the the in the nose, so to speak, have been kind of pushing hard our way, um, based on the fact that Kyle was at that you know QB camp, whatever it's called, um, and obviously has some real like what was he run a four four, um, four four one at six three two twenty five like. And that's, I mean, I know Chris Sims said he's quite like Cam Newton and, uh, God <laughs> <damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about Cameron. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but I think Trey, Trey Lance is interesting because Trey Lance is a guy who comes from an offense that, that asked him to do a huge amount at the line of scrimmage. Um, that asked him to kind of very pro style com concepts, very pro style offense in terms of, under center, shotgun, differences there, um, that work off the boot, all those types of things that 
are going to be such basic concepts of the of the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan that they're such a key part of the outside zone. Um, it, it makes you think that Trey Lance is is probably potentially a better fit. Um, people talk about him being kind of raw and stuff, but Trey Lance probably has the the, the established some more basic building blocks already. Um, I know that there are also you know, very there's such crazily different views on whether Justin Fields is accurate or inaccurate. Like mind blowingly different. Like some people are like he's the most accurate quarterback in college, and other people are like he's not accurate, which is bizarre so that's something i'm gonna to have to like look at myself and try and draw a, a proper opinion on but right now i'd certainly be uh probably leaning towards lance based on based on a few of those things um and also i think ben albright said it was going to be lance and i don't know how he does it but ben albright does actually just seem to know everything yeah also uh trevor sikama from the draft network said that he's kind of hearing some indications that'll likely be lance uh, Matt, how would you feel if if that does end up being the pick, regardless of who else is there? You know, I keep going back and forth on these quarterbacks. I know I ranked Lance ahead of uh, Fields in terms of of who I liked as a talent, and I still think that that holds true. Um, one thing that this whole Mac Jones thing has kind of brought out. Thanks, Melissa. I appreciate it. Um, one thing that this whole Mac Jones thing has kind of brought out in me is, you know, people were saying if you if you pick that guy, that's too safe. That's too safe. And so that got me thinking about Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And so, oh man, we can get into that later. But um, so Justin Fields and Trey Lance, to me, Trey Lance has the higher upside. Like if he hits, he's going to hit like big time. He's going to be a fantastic quarterback. Um, but if he doesn't hit, you know, there are some things that I was watching. His pro day, he looks like he's been working. He's I know he's been working with a quarterback's coach to kind of shorten up his delivery a little bit because when I was watching his tape um, and you guys will know this, I saw a little bit of Colin Kaepernick in his delivery and that it's a very long looping delivery. Like it takes him a minute. Um, The ball dips almost to his waist and he seems to like dip the ball down. Like he's more, he's more accurate than Kaepernick just on its, on his face. It's he's more accurate, but I think the low end of it is that he could struggle with some of the touch throws just because of that elongated, he might struggle with uh, backside sacks in terms of like if he's if it's an intermediate or a deep ball and he needs that extra, you know, quarter of a second to throw the ball. That's the difference between getting the throw off and you know having it stripped from behind when when a rusher's getting by. So there are some things that I do think he needs to clean up, and I'm also very nervous that he didn't play in 2020. One of the things that I've always said is I want to see year-over-year growth from a quarterback, right? You want to see him in 2019, and then how'd he do in 2020? The game tape that he had in 2020 is not that good. So I don't know if it was just, you know, long, long break or whatever, but I think that while Lance does have the higher upside, I think that Justin Fields is a little bit safer of a pick. Um, and I can't discount that Kyle has worked with Justin Fields, you know, at that QB collective that Scott touched on earlier. Um, Fields to me has problems in that where Trey Lance would call out protections and do a lot of pre-snap stuff. That wasn't what Trey, uh, I'm sorry, Justin Fields was asked to do. Um, and I think that Justin Fields is accurate, but I think where the accuracy comes in that I think people are talking about, it's the difference between being accurate on 
you know, the throws that you should be making and throwing with anticipation. And I think that Justin Fields sometimes doesn't throw with as much anticipation as you'd like to see. Um, he kind of waits to see when something's coming open, but he's got a laser arm. He's got, he can throw it deep. Um, he's had beautiful throws. Uh, I would just like to see a little bit more processing speed out of him. And who knows? It could be coaching. Um, I don't know how much they asked him to do that at Ohio State. But to me, I th- while I think that Trey Lance is the higher upside guy, something in me is telling me that if I had to bet, I would think that the 49ers are probably going to go Justin Fields at three. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, there's a question from Melissa that I think, Matt, is probably best for you because you are a medical expert here. Um, people mentioned injured ribs for fields before Wilson has had shoulder hand and now a strain on pro day. Are there injury, any injury histories worrying you? Zach Wilson is one that I would love. The, the combine is actually helping him potentially, because I think if he got into the combine with all those doctors and every team is doing their medical on him, right? He might've been a guy that was flagged just because he has this like three quarters delivery that can be traditionally a little hard in terms of an anatomical sense, uh, a biomechanical sense on the shoulder. And he's had a shoulder operation on that throwing shoulder before. So how long is that going to hold up as someone who's had shoulder surgeries myself? I know that, you know, once you start messing with that arthritis can creep in early, you can have issues with it later down the road. Um, I know the injury at the, uh, the injury he had at his pro day, he just had a tight hamstring. And I think that's, you know, college kids in the off season, you know, he probably took a little bit too much time off or whatever, but that that's one of those things that you, it's not for a quarterback. I'm not worried about a hamstring injury. Really? Um, that doesn't concern me. If it was a wide receiver, definitely worry more about that. With those key explosive cuts and movements. Um, but I'm, I'm not too worried about that. The fields thing. Um, I'd like to see him slide, but I'm not surprised his ribs hurt because he got absolutely demolished on that hit. I mean, that was one that I was like, holy crap. I mean, he I I felt so bad for him. But then, I, I mean, he played it brilliantly for the rest of that game. So, you know, ribs, not a big deal. They're going to heal fine. Um, but Zach Wilson is the one that I think with the pandemic and not having the combine actually served him better than it would have otherwise. Yeah, great, great, great breakdown. Thanks for that, Matt. Um, and, and I think, you know, hung fat and here said it a bit ago, Wilson Lance or fields, the 49ers are going to get a fantastic prospect. And we finally get a guy that Kyle Shanahan can say, this is what I'm confident in. Um, Scott, something I've thought about recently is, do you think he's avoided drafting a quarterback? And I know there hasn't been too much opportunity, too many opportunities for him to get a top tier guy outside of his first year, basically with the 49ers. I don't really count everything with uh, when they took Nick Bosa. I think they still had a lot of faith in Jimmy then. Um, but do you think outside of that, maybe there's a little bit of too much pressure for him as this offensive guru to get a guy? And then what if he doesn't develop him? What if he turns out to be wrong? Do you think any sort of that plays into him taking this long to actually spend premium capital on the position? Yeah, I, th- I think partly. I think as soon as you draft a quarterback, your like, regime gets tied to him. And you get tied to a guy. I think we'd we'd actually there's another one we'd sort of discussed in the group chat, and it it was sort of noted that Carl Shanahan basically arrived at the 49ers after the Super Bowl. Most teams, especially teams who were doing QB research, like that serious, was me, by the way. That was me. I've always hammered that one, that yeah, point. Like, Due diligence is so important. Yeah. And we've and 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 you've he 
teams that were doing QB research, I think, had a, a two-month head start, essentially, on the 49ers trying to get that sorted, trying to get into the QBs. Kyle Shanahan arrives and you're like, okay, you've got number three overall pick. How much time do you really have to kind of dig into these guys properly? I mean, Kyle Shanahan, I think I think it was Matt asked the question. Do you think Kyle Shanahan was like just switching on a bit of Mitch Trubisky when he was in his downtime from preparing for the Super Bowl, when he was preparing for playoff games? Like, of course he wasn't. He was, Kyle Shanahan was doing what he was being paid to do in Atlanta and then comes to San Francisco and he's like, okay, you know, sure, we would probably have loved for him to have been able to dig into Patrick Mahomes or, or Deshaun Watson, maybe. Um, but certainly Patrick Mahomes got halfway through to Sean Watson and I was like, hang on a minute. Um, but Paddy, certainly that would be, that would have been nice. But I think we can, I think it'd be safe to say that the evidence of that first season, that first draft particularly, the 49ers were kind of safe to, to, so to speak. They went with Solly Thomas, who I guess John Lynch thought he could really trust what he was being told from, from, from Stanford. They went with Reuben Foster, who from some accounts in the media today, it seemed like the 49ers thought they could really trust they were getting what they were they were hearing the right thing from Alabama. So it seemed like that first year the 49ers were kind of going on like what they were being told by people on those top. And top they haven't players. drafted a Bama player since, by the way. No, they haven't gone near them because they didn't think that they got accurate information from from Bama about about Ruben Foster. Whereas and it's quite telling that since then actually the 49ers drafts have, have been probably more effective than, than their first year draft. And the only time in the first year draft where they kind of hit on guys was like later on, those guys that they were kind of digging into, you'd naturally dig into later in the draft period, like your George Kittles, guys like that. Guys like someone like an Adam Peters, because he was already in a front office all that previous season, he already knew about him. He'd been like digging in hard. He kind of been doing this as homework on some of these like lower draft guys beforehand. So really... I don't. I'm. I'm not really surprised that the 49ers haven't dug in on, on on QBs before, and I don't really blame them for it. I think it's kind of understandable, especially when we also knew like the whole Kirk Cousins thing. Kyle kind of really liked him, thought that was a guy who could run his offense to a pretty high level, a level that perhaps in 2017, because a lot has changed since 2017. When you think about quarterbacks in the NFL, like you think about who was who were the rookies in kind of just the years before that, like the guys coming into the league, the NFL had had this real dearth of like quality rookie quarterbacks for a long time there was the guys coming out from the college were not good guys like james winston marcus mariotti when you look at their careers they haven't been that successful the nfl hadn't adjusted to the college offenses so much and the college qbs didn't seem as well prepared since 2017 suddenly there's been like a raft of guys who've come in from the college game nfl teams have adjusted to them much more effectively and suddenly we're seeing like these like uber toolsy guys coming from college and nfl teams are like yes we know what we're trying to do. Fuck trying to turn you into Tom Brady. We're not trying to turn you into Tom Brady. Like no one's going to become Tom Brady now. We don't have the reps, don't have any of these things. We're going to turn you into this like off schedule freak show who can scare a defense and hit hit ball 60 yards down the field and then run it in from 60 yards himself. I mean, the game, I think the game has changed a lot. And now I think the 49ers are kind of on that. And this is the first real opportunity to get a really, really good quarterback. And they've they've seriously gone and gone gone for it, haven't they? I mean, so I think just just credit to them. They they haven't rushed, they haven't felt under pressure. Credit to Jed York for being like, I'm gonna give you long contracts. This is a long process. I'm not gonna make you draft a QB in, in, in year one. I'm gonna let you sit on this. And then after the Super Bowl said, right, this is going the right direction for me. Here's some more long contracts. I'm not going to make you like freak out and rush and draft someone this year if you don't if you want to stick with Jimmy. But I'm going to let you stay. 
now this year they've gone right this is probably the highest we're going to draft now based on where we think this team is for potentially a long time and there are there are five probably acceptable first round quarterbacks in this in this draft if not more let's go get a fucking good one absolutely and you know i i love that you touched on what we talked about you know people were saying it all the time oh man they could have had patrick mahomes Patrick Mahomes did not come into the draft as Patrick Mahomes. He was viewed as a project guy, much like Trey Lance is this year, um, a guy with all the physical tools. But you look at the Texas Tech offense and they're like, eh, I don't know about this. I don't know if I trust it. Cliff Kingsbury was his coach. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't be over 500 at Texas Tech. He got fired. Um, and then you look at Deshaun Watson, and I posted this in the chat, which I thought was super interesting, and it's part of why – I am taking a second look at Justin Fields because a lot of the criticisms that I see about Justin Fields doesn't throw with anticipation, doesn't do a lot of pre-snap adjustments, um, questionable accuracy at times. Those are all things. If you go back and look at the draft reports on Deshaun Watson, these are this is stuff that scouts were saying about Deshaun Watson. And I think it's really easy for people to get caught up in the hindsight phenomenon where they look back and like, well, the 49ers had him. But like I said, Kyle Shanahan was not watching tapes on quarterback while he's trying to get ready for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So he was doing his job with Atlanta. John Lynch was coming out of Fox. Like, he was working the booth. So it's not like John Lynch was doing a lot. You get Adam Peters, I believe he was with Denver at the time, who was doing stuff like you said, on probably on the later round guys, right? Because he, he was a personnel assistant. He wasn't the GM in Denver. So – he's he's done some work, and that's why you see those late hits. But for me, yeah, absolutely – the Ruben Foster thing speaks to me saying like, absolutely not Mac Jones and the 49ers do need to hit on a quarterback here. You and, said and it to Peters. Neither. I don't think either Mayhew or Peters would have been looking at quarterbacks because I think Denver had not long drafted a guy and Detroit had Matt Stafford. So like right. n- none of them would have been doing homework on first round QBs either. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you bring up Matt Stafford. I think that that is part of this move right here where Kyle Shanahan's like, well, now we have Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray in the division. I can't go to war with Jimmy Garoppolo. I can't rely on him to be healthy. I can't rely on him to throw outside the numbers deep. I can't rely on him to throw inside the numbers deep. It's like intermediate and short passing games, you know? Uh, So for me, it's just like, goodness gracious. Like they have to go and get the guy this time. And I think that they're going to do it. I think they're going to do, they're going to get the guy that absolutely is going to fit their their new wave again. So I I agree with you. that They're going to hit. Let's go get a fucking good one. Uh, Matt, Melissa asked in here about a later round, mid to later round pick for center that you like. Do you want to go on a little bit about Creed Humphrey and why you think he's a solid option for the 49ers? I just uh, listen, they need interior offensive line. And I, we're, you know, we're going to talk about that later this week when we do Niners news um, outside of the first round. I mean, first of all, let's what a brilliant job they did in keeping their nine picks for this year. And so when we talk about their roster and look at their roster construction, everybody's like, well, they traded up and trading into the top three doesn't work. You got Wentz and cough. Those teams sucked. This team is actually pretty good in terms of a purely on paper roster if you can maintain health, that's going to be the biggest key. Um, you can draft interior offensive line. So you have Alex Mack, who's going to be older, Lakin Tomlinson, who I've never been in love with. And then you have like Ben Garland and, you know, other guys like that where you're just like, I guess. So draft interior offensive line in round two or three, you can get a pretty good one. They're not going to go high because they never do. 
Um, because with the first three, potentially four hit uh, picks being quarterbacks, and then there's going to be a run on skill positions, interior offensive line is going to be pretty forgot about. And you can get some of those second-tier cornerbacks in like round three, maybe a safety. And all of a sudden, now you're just picking for luxury and depth in the later rounds and hoping that you can hit on a guy. So they're in a good spot, but they absolutely have to get this quarterback right. So, again, like I said, I think Trey Lance has the bigger upside. I think Justin Fields is the safer pick. It all depends on what you'd like. And going through the film, I, I just I think both Fields and Lance are both going to be good. So Yeah, that's that's a fair, uh, fair assessment. I do want to address, though, um, Coach Timo. Mm-hmm said we keep Jimmy for the year. I don't think we keep Jimmy for the year, and there's a couple reasons for that. They didn't restructure him. So, you know, you can get rid of him and you get the cap space. So what I think is going to happen is they're putting a little stress on Bill Belichick by saying, hey, he's not he's not for he's not up for grabs, right? Because um, I guess there was a rumor that they had offered their second-round pick, which would have been like, okay, we rented Jimmy to you for a couple years. We'll give you your pick back. Give him back to us. I think they're going to – Scott, sorry, but I think they're going to let Bill Belichick suffer with Cam Newton for a little bit, and then coming up towards the trade <laughs> deadline, they're going to be like, hey, Jimmy's actually here. Because here's the thing. By the time the trade deadline is going to be there, both the fans and you know the, the regime is going to be ready to see the rookie quarterback. They're going to spoon-feed him concepts. They're going to want to get him into the game because – Year two, he's definitely going to be playing. So why not get him those, you know, couple of starts? You're either going to be in a position where you're, you know, not exactly where you want to be and you need to make a switch anyway, or potentially Jimmy could be, you know, hurt again, which would be awful. But you can trade or cut him near the trade deadline. The cap next year is going to go back up. And the second half salary that you save on Jimmy will actually roll over for the Warner extension, for the potential McGlinchey extension, you know, you're starting to look at, hey, are we going to, you know, obviously you're going to fifth round tender uh, Nick Bosa, but you have Debo Samuel coming up. You have a bunch of, you got to replace people in the secondary. So I don't think they're going to hold on to him for the entire year because you're just kind of wasting cap space, just holding on to him. So all this smoke, I think, is to actually build a market for Jimmy G for these quarterback starved teams. You can't tell me that if you, you know, really didn't gas up the Jimmy G trade market that you couldn't get Denver to bite you know, or a Chicago, I mean, Chicago, Jimmy G's a Chicago boy. You can't tell me that the Chicago bears would be like, well, I guess we'll play Andy Dalton the whole year. You know, of course they would trade for Jimmy G if they had a chance. It's just going to be how much can you get for him? And I think the Niners really want to maximize his value. 100%. Real quick, Scott. Sorry. If I, just, if I can just hop in on that one. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. The, 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 you're not going to get good value from teams. If you're saying, Jimmy's available. Come and get him. We like we need we need rid of Jimmy Garoppolo because we need this money for Fred Warner. Like the Forcing Arnis, I mean, they, they have smashed it this offseason. Like they kept they kept the flexibility with Jimmy Garoppolo. They basically brought back the whole secondary. They brought back Trent Williams. They've added depth at safety. They might have Tony Jefferson coming in as well. Tavon Austin for the vet minimum is ridiculous. Like that's yeah. really good. And, and then what they paid for the guys, but yeah, you're right. Like they're, they have to build value because by trading to three, everybody knows they're taking a quarterback. So they have to kind of like build Jimmy back up. And, and, and they can give him like what you give him maybe two or three starts next season, potentially even, or you you roll him out in preseason and he looks really good. And then someone, one of the, the other sort of playoff contenders, like 
gets a the QB breaks his collarbone and, and that's him for the season. Or like New Orleans, maybe, you know, just go like they go, shit, we need to get a callback in, like Jameis, maybe not. Taysom Hill, really, oh no, God no. Maybe they want to like come for Jimmy down the line, those types of things. Like there are so many, there are so many teams in the league which are still kind of QB needy. And there are so many teams that could suddenly need a QB in the season that you're kind of better off just saying, you know, like we'll probably get rid of Jimmy at some point, but let's, let's just like keep him and let things develop a little bit around the league before we kind of rush into moving him on. The, I think I feel like at this point it's 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 too late. They they either needed to get rid of him before free agency started, so they had like a lot of cap space. If they were like if they got the trade done, say in I don't know three weeks ago before free agency started, they were there at three and they were like right, we're going to have who we want, so let's let's cut Jimmy, let's trade Jimmy before free agency, so the Pats don't even get Cam in, for example. They just you know other players are on the market, so the 49ers get Cam instead. Um, but but the Pats the Pats the Pats get Jimmy. Um, and then the full signers can say, right, so we're going to then throw cash at Kenny Golladay. We're going to bring in like another edge rusher opposite Boza. So if one of have got like that money, but now that they've kind of got Jimmy, they've budgeted for Jimmy, they've budgeted for a first round pick. Like they don't need to get rid of him now. It's just a case of waiting and just letting the league develop. Because right now, most teams are set a quarterback in terms of kind of coming into the draft. Most teams are like, right, we kind of, we know where we're going at the moment. By the end of sort of August, suddenly things will, presumably things will have happened, things will have changed, and then the 49ers can can flip Jimmy off and get him for picks or whatever they want to do. Yeah, my my only pushback to that with, with trading or cutting Jimmy before free agency would be the fact that, you know, they already paid a lot for this pick. If you if you you're kind of tipping your hand if you get rid of Jimmy ahead of time, and does that make that pick even more expensive? Like how bad do you want him? You know, then 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 you worry about that. But um Melissa put in the chat, why not put Jimmy back? You know, New England apparently wants him. Why don't you listen? If the reports are true and they've offered a second round pick and we can go to where, you know, Scott's talking about, hey, maybe there's an injury here. That second round pick turns into a higher second round pick. That higher second round pick turns into a late one. And then all of a sudden you create this bidding war for Jimmy Garoppolo for these quarterback needy teams. And maybe you're not going to get a top five pick for him. That's absolutely ridiculous. But if you can get a pick in the 20s next year, well, then you recouped part of the cost that you paid for this quarterback going in. Um, And so to me, yeah, you can let Jimmy start for a little bit. You risk him getting hurt, which would suck. But at that point, you can just cut him and then you're still rolling over that cap. I don't see Jimmy G being on the Super Bowl or uh, excuse me, hopefully we get to a Super Bowl, but I don't see him being on the roster uh, throughout the entire season. I think he's gone by the trade deadline for sure. I think that's fair. Um, there was a comment in here earlier. I would love for you guys to, to explain a little bit because Scott, this is his first time on and there's a bunch of comments. Yes. He's he nothing but Niners. Um, we've all worked with them. They're great, great guys. But we've it's kind of this ongoing joke here with Matt. We talk about Scott every time Cam comes up. He says, you know, sorry, Scott, but he's trash. Can you guys go into a little bit what this beef is over Cam Newton for the audience? Yeah, Scott thinks that he's good and he's holding on to 2015 when that's his outlier year. At this point, that year was an outlier year. He wasn't even the best quarterback that year, by the way. I think Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees were both better than him that year. But... He can have that one season. I just think Cam Newton was picked first overall. And if you look back, really look back critically at his career, he's been kind of a disappointment for a first overall pick. If the 49ers picked third, right? 
we pick our quarterback and he ends up with a career like Cam Newton, where he has a losing record every other season and only makes one Super Bowl throughout his eight or nine years there. You'd be like, that kind of sucks. That's all that that's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, to rebut all of that, um, I, I just, I, I guess we just have slightly different standards. Don't we? Um, I kind of think uh, uh, any player who becomes the NFL MVP, even if maybe Rogers or Breeze were better, like, pretty good player um years of starting in the nfl very poor teams in carolina for the most part i mean most people look at those panthers teams and just think they weren't they weren't a good group i think if you know if the 49ers for example drafted cam newton this year and like as if like cam so justin fields for example but if cam newton was a rookie and the 49ers brought him in i think everyone would be pretty excited about like rookie cam coming in and 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 kind of where that would go with a better team, how his career would have been different. Um, I think, you know, certain QBs are burdened with like a lot of shit teams throughout their career. Matt Stafford's kind of one like that, I think. You look at kind of Matt Stafford, you're like, you know, maybe if he'd have been drafted by New Orleans or a kind of 49ers with Shanahan, you think like maybe this guy could have done more. Um, and I just think with Cam, like Cam is that ultimate like multifaceted QB talent. Like he's not Patrick Mahomes, let's not lie. But he no. is... He's 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 one of those guys who he can give a defense a lot of headaches in terms of they know that he's got the run threat, so they think about having a heavy box, but they know he can hit them over the top with a deep ball. So it's it's he's also, you know, he's actually a really good processor. I think there's some um interesting biases that come in when people assume that he can't process a defense and things like that. Um I think he's kind of a perennially underrated guy. He's not like a top five QB probably has been, as Matt said, probably like one year in his career has been a top five QB. But he's the type of player who like, he's been a consistent, I think he's been a consistent top 10 for his career. And actually in terms of his talent level, he's probably top five tools in the league. And you kind of, to me, it's always been like an, a what if situation where like, what if he got a year of Kyle Shanahan? What would I get, I, listen, I get that. But at some point, a what if becomes a never was. And my problem with Cam is, sure, he has all the tools, but at the same time, he never put it all together. And you could say, yes, he had a bad team. Of course. Of course, those Panthers teams weren't very good. But he also didn't dive on that he motherfucking fumble either. He, put all he, he did not dive on that motherfucking fumble. And then he <laughs> cried his way out of that press conference like a little baby, wrapping his towel around his head, which turned into his grandma's. Do you wear grandma scarves and hats in the mirror, Scott? You just love yourself. No, Cam no, I, I, I wouldn't even wear hats. I like my hair too much. No, I think I think we just appreciate different things, right? Like I think Lamar Jackson gives a ton of coaches headaches, right? But there's something about the way Cam never fully refined his passing game because, yes, he played with some bad talent, but also Cam made some ugly ass throws. And I feel like he didn't work as hard on developing his his touch, his accuracy in ways that, you know, sometimes other quarterbacks do. Like Patrick Mahomes coming out of college was not super accurate, but you know, you look at him and now he's more accurate. I mean, he still makes some really crazy throws that I don't like, but at the same time, it's the same thing that I feel with Lamar Jackson. Cam takes a lot of hits. Lamar takes a lot of hits, right? Like at some point or another, the quarterbacks, the running quarterbacks who don't develop their passing game are going to start getting injured because that athleticism fades a little bit. And then what do you have to rely on? And we saw it last year in new England where yes, new England was bad too, but I mean, Cam's average depth of target was pretty bad. Not Garoppolo bad, but still pretty bad. And it's just like, like you say, it's a what if. Like Cam Newton drafted first overall with what he did. You know, like you said, top five one year, 
mostly top 10 for his career. And I would argue not in the last, you know, few years because he's been hurt or whatever. But, you know, for those first couple of years, I would say that that's probably fair. He was a top 10 guy, especially with tools. But he didn't put it together. And I think that that's based on his draft position and the potential that he had not putting it together, I think is the biggest bother to me is that he had so much and he didn't do enough, in my opinion. There, there are actually some very interesting videos on YouTube, which I would encourage people watching after this um, about Cam and how his and his like and how he sort of plays um, and specifically how he reads defenses. And I think there, there's just there are some interesting clips because I know that there are some people that think he's like as good a processor as some of the elite guys. And there's no doubt. Like, I don't, I don't disagree. I think he is good at processing. It's the execution that I have yeah, an issue. Yeah, but I don't, and, and yeah, I was going to say, I don't think like he's not Drew Brees accuracy. He's not Brady. He's not Rogers accuracy. And there's, there's been issues there and there may have been shoulder issues, whatever, but there's, it's, there's no doubt. He hasn't been, he hasn't, he hasn't been that good. I think it's, I think really where we differ is basically just like, just in the level of expectation of what we, of what we kind of wanted to see from him. And the extent, the extent to which we like contextualize, uh, contextualize what what we think. And you, I'd probably be making excuses, um, but you know, I, 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 I was keen to see him this year. In a, in a really I just goal. so my issue, is, my biggest issue is it was like marriage counseling. You'll, I know you'll hammer Jimmy, you'll hammer Jimmy, and people forget Jimmy was a second round pick. It's not like he was one overall, but you'll hammer Jimmy, and then the first round pick, it's like, well, he had one MVP season, which is good. But then it's like the other seasons were up and down. He has, and it's just like free pass. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, yeah, it's the position matters. Where you're drafted does matter because the expectations are completely different. If I draft you at one overall, if I'm really looking into it, I want you to be borderline Hall of Fame level. And to me, Cam, I mean, he's a superstar, but he's not an elite quarterback, if that makes sense. Like he's a guy you could market the shit out of, but as far in terms of a pure football player, I think he's been a little bit of a letdown based on his draft position. Yeah, I think it's funny actually the hammer the hammering Jimmy thing, because I'm sure I came on this podcast last year. I'm sure, and we talked about it as like Jimmy's ceiling, and I was like, like he's fine, like 15 to 10 probably, um, but like elite. If he's ever going to be really good, he's going to be like Drew Brees from the last couple of seasons if he stops throwing picks basically. And he never did, or he hasn't to this to date. Um, and it's like, I think, I think with the difference to me with, with Jimmy and Cam is that like Jimmy, that his ceiling is like here and his attainment is like here. And it's quite frustrating that he's not, he's not kind of making that difference up. Whereas Cam's like ceiling is like here and he's also better than Jimmy, in my opinion. Sorry, people in the group chat. I know you're going to kill me. Um, but Dead. I, Dead. I, I think, I think, I think Cam is, is better, is a better player. Um, and no, no, no. Just, uh, it's just Cam, Cam is not a better player. Cam was a better player. Oh, okay. <laughs> these last, these last four knows. years, Cam has not been good. Who knows now? But I think it's it's really I probably it's probably partly like because I live in like a full synonymous echo chamber that I hear like too many people being like Jimmy is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I hate that too, by the and way. I'm like, no, yeah. he's not. I know Dave Lombardi tells you he is, <laughs> but he's not. And I do endorse like, the Lombardi hate, by the way. I love, I love when you shit on Lombardi. It's so funny. It's, and then it's like, I mean, like today when he was like, the, the, the QB they draft at three is going to fill out the QB room. It's like, fill the QB room out. Jimmy's going to fill his jersey for about three minutes, then fill the QB room out, <laughs> and then be filled off some, to someone else's QB room. 
I love George Kittle's reaction where he was like, oh, wow. And then Patrick Holmes was like, I know, right? And then Kittle's like, I just work here because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure management was like, hey, go pack Jimmy's bags. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> take him take him to the airport. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like it's um, it, I think it's part of that. It's part of the echo chamber. Like I'm just I just naturally like go against when I think because uh, obviously I've seen Fig Newton comments in, in this as well. Like I just yep. go against that and then I go against the, like Jimmy's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> point hold on hold on we both know that cam gets pouty when shit doesn't go his way and that's why i call him fig newton because he's mentally he doesn't have that red ass he doesn't get mad about shit and then turn it into a performance right like we've seen like tom brady when when they did the interview i think it was like eight or nine years ago where he was going through he remembers every name of every quarterback that was picked in front of him and it's just like this boiling rage inside of him whereas and he uses that for fuel whereas cam is just like it, it, it just comes off as like pouty to me. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, maybe he does use it, but I just don't see it the same way. You know, I, I just think that it's, it's a different type of, of anger or whatever. So I don't know. I, th- I always had a problem with his, him being mentally soft. I didn't feel like he adapted and overcame criticism or whatever, like walking out on the Super Bowl conference or, you know, those Monday night games where you'd see him with the towel around his head and not, you know, being isolated from teammates. That to me is just like, you guys win together and you lose together, you know? And so, and that's, I think that's more a bias on my part being a military dude where like, we're all, we're all a squad. Like our, you know, we got to pick everybody up. So you know, if you're not doing your part or if you have your head down, like we're going to snap you out of that real quick because there's no place in, in, in the room for that. So I think that's that's one of my issues with him, too. There's, there's such a body language thing, isn't there, with, with like QBs, especially. Oh, yeah. um, like every, Everyone loves Drew for like the he's just like so right on all the time. Like, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, all of that stuff. Like so like but top button done up type guy, all those things. Um, Cam is obviously a little bit different than that. Um, but I think I, I do think there's like a there is an issue with like how the NFL like perceives, especially some of these like black QBs. Like the reality is, is like we're used to the, the sort of the quarterback being this like six foot four white guy who's like often his dad was also an NFL quarterback. So he's like rich. Um, he went to like posh school. Like he's very well brought up. He's like a gentleman. Like that, that whole like thing about what the what the kind of the NFL QB should do and should be. And, and I do think that kind of the way we the way we view quarterbacks who are kind of coming maybe from slightly different backgrounds, the way sort of with, with you know, the, perhaps people being encouraged to be themselves a little bit more and not necessarily fit with those like pre-existing ideas of what an NFL QB should be, you get kind of different types of people. Uh, and I think, you know, like Lamar, like the way Lamar speaks, for example, like 10, 15 years ago, people would be like, that's like, no, we want we want our QBs to be like. Oh, hold on, I want to push back on this a little bit because, like, I th- listen, we've all seen the video. Uh, uh, I think that the that that narrative is a little played out, just because Lamar may speak a certain way, but when he threw for all those yards and was like, "Not bad for a running back," like that's the type of fiery shit you want to see, right? Um, Warren Moon would stare daggers through you if you fucked up, right? Randall Cunningham, much the same. But then you you turn to other guys, Ryan Leaf, pouty baby, you know, the Drew Locke thing right now. What are they saying? He He's kind of like, you know, he doesn't take stuff seriously. He doesn't get fired up. Right. And that's my criticism of Cam. I don't think it has as much to do with like 
I mean, in 2021, I don't think with with I mean, there's I think what a 25 percent of starting NFL quarterbacks are black now. Like, I don't think that that's as much of it as it is. Like you said, the body language, the body language is super important to me. Like, do you get mad? Like, I don't I don't mind. Like, I don't even care if you're yelling at your coach. At least it's showing fire. What I like to see is when you're isolated from your teammates with that towel wrapped around your head. Like you couldn't give a shit about being there at that point. Right. Cause everybody on your team is losing. It's not just you. And I think that when you're in your own feelings like that, you know, you need to be the first person to be like, Hey, that's on me. Right. Instead of, well, I heard somebody talking shit on the winning team. So I'm gonna walk out of this press conference. I don't think that that's the right way to approach it. And maybe it, I think you touched on it. You know, if he came from a well-to-do background, that could actually be, I think, more a part of it than anything else. You know, when you're used to things being easy and it's not, there's sometimes that inability to deal with the adversity that you haven't faced. And it's it's an, a product of your environment in that in that way. All right. I'm glad we finally got the cam debate argument uh, out. Uh, we're going to take some questions and then wrap things up here, guys. Uh, I still don't understand the time change for Scott. So I believe it's close to 3 a.m. over there. Just joking. Is it really? No, it's. I think what it's like midnight. It? He said, "It's not midnight. It's not half twelve. Oh, twelve thirty. Yeah. Okay. I, I half twelve can go either way, right? It could be like half to twelve or half past twelve. Oh, yeah. Half so of I, twelve. I, I, I guessed half of twelve. Half of twelve is six. It's it's six over there right now, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Save some questions, and we'll wrap up here so Scott can get off the bed. Uh, Mr. Early, Matt, this you can go for you. Uh, would you guys be content if the quarterback we draft took as long to develop uh, as Josh Allen did? Um, honestly, like three years. I mean, you still have him. It, the way this roster is built, um, I don't think that I don't think that any of these guys are as raw accuracy wise as Josh Allen was. I think Josh Allen did a good job of working really, really hard on, and that's, so that's one of the differences that I see between, and you know, I don't want this to be misconstrued, but the one thing that Josh Allen, like I said, year over year improvement on his accuracy, whereas like, I don't see the same thing from Lamar and I want to so bad because he could be outstanding, but he's just so frustratingly inconsistent. And that was my thing with Cam, but I don't think that any of the top four guys in this draft have those same issues. Um, Lance, I'd like to see shorten up that delivery, Fields, I'd like to see um, do a little bit better in pre-snap processing because if you blitz the shit out of him, he's kind of like deer in the headlights. We saw that with Northwestern and Illinois, uh, not Illinois, Indiana. So there are different issues, but I don't think that the accuracy is the biggest one for any of these guys whatsoever. I, I also think that, did unless I'm misremembering, Josh Allen went into a much worse situation in Buffalo. Yes, than, they weren't very good. They were not very good. Than these guys are coming into yeah they, they were good defensively but they didn't have a good offense and so th- they've actually done a great i think one of the best things buffalo did for him was get him stefan Diggs. i think that was such a good move for him to get him this elite wide receiver that made his job easier anytime you can take pressure off the rookie qb um and the growing qb is going to be to their benefit and that's why i think a rookie qb here can start and immediately be successful because there's so much around him that if the team stays healthy he's going to have those weapons he's going to have the moster he's going to have the juice kittle Ayuk, debo a pretty good offensive line all things considered so there's no excuse for him not to especially when you have an offensive genius like kyle shanahan is yeah, great, great breakdown. Thank you guys both. Uh, Scott, for you, Ken Mueller, 
Uh, if we are drafting a quarterback at three, does that mean we are still in win-now mode? Oh, totally. I think part of the the like the fact they've kept Jimmy at least now is also an indication of that, 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 that you know, if worse comes to worse and they draft a guy at three and they, they get him into the building and he's kind of struggling or like gets injured in within like the first few weeks, I think the 49ers injury luck would, wouldn't rule it out, touch wood. Um, the 49ers can say like, we've got Jimmy and we've still got a great roster. I mean, I think everything the 49ers have done this off season, they've been in win now mode. I think the big fear was they were losing so many free agents. The, you know, the cap had come down. To what extent were they going to be able to like keep the window open? But if anything, like the COVID cap has kind of helped them out because it's it killed the, the middle of the free agency market, and they were able to get K1 Williams, Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwaski Tart all back in. They got um, Samson Ebukam as well. Like they they've literally loaded out their every. They haven't. They, there are no holes now on this roster. Like this this draft was literally about. Basically, could you get a QB was kind of what everyone was thinking. Like they didn't need a QB, but if they were going to get kind of the biggest upgrade they possibly could at any position on this roster, it was going to be at the QB position. And to me, the fact that they've gone and aggressively pursued that so much is like all the more indication that they're in win-now mode. They're like, we are one piece away from being legit, legit. Like This team was already good. This team was already like, if they stay healthy, they're going to be a, they're going to be a playoff team. Now they're like, God, if they, if they get a kid who has a season like RG3, RG3's rookie year, you're like, this is a potential Super Bowl team now because you've got a QB that scares people and you've got a run game that's got an extra layer, like all these things. And you've got a way better defense than Kyle Shanahan and his dad had in Washington, like, and a way better O-line. This 49ers team is, if they get an, a serious upgrade at QB, which is which is on the cards, basically, it's not just win now. It's like, we're going to be in win now mode for now and we're going to be in win now mode for however long because that's what, ultimately dynasties are built on is having a QB. If you've got an elite QB and there's going to be a lot more teams with them now, we already know that we've seen them around the league. You're going to be in a window. And that's what the 49ers have done is it's not just win now, which is very much what they've done. It's like, we're going to be in win for the next 15 years. If we, if we get this right. Great answer. Thank you. Appreciate that, Scott. Um, I'll take this one from Shulo. Do we believe the jets are picking that left tackle and the 49ers get Zach Wilson? I believe this is uh Suell. I don't think they are. I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people say they're still sold on Sam Darnold. Uh, once now that he's away from Adam Gase, he's going to succeed, have some success with the Jets. I just don't see it. I don't know, man. I think they're likely going to move off of Sam Darnold, draft Zach Wilson. I've seen a bunch of people, and Matt and I were just talking about this um, earlier. Dang Brugler, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, Brugler, Bugler, of The Athletic was basically saying, look, the draft is starting at three. First two picks are already set out. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Something tells me that's not going to change. I have a feeling the Jets are going to stick with Zach Wilson. And then the 49ers then have a decision to make at three. Justin Fields, Trey Lance. And I'm not even going to mention the other name because I, I just don't really think that that's going to happen. <laughs> um, let's see. Matt, there was somebody, there was a question. I, I can't find it here, but oh, here we go. Tommy Huxley. Are we done trading up in the draft? In the first round, I think so. But in the middle rounds, definitely not. Um, this regime has shown if they think a guy is going to go before they want him to go, they'll trade up to get him. And they have eight picks after number three to kind of, you know, work with. And so let's say you're round 
three or whatever, and Warner from BYU is there, and you want to get a safety, but you think he's going to go a couple spots before, and then throw in a sixth, throw in a fifth or whatever, move up and get him. Um, they they still have maneuverability, and they've shown. I mean, I'm not going to promise that they won't trade back into the first round. So they've done that twice before. So th- th- anything is possible with them. I think for the first round, though, I've seen some rumors. Oh, maybe they'll do a pick swap with the Jets. I don't think that that's very likely. Um, it's not. It's not a far enough move. They had to go into number three, liking at least two quarterbacks. So they have to feel comfortable with one or the other. And and if that's the case, then you're not going to give extra capital. If you feel good with one guy or the other, you're just going to take whoever's left. So, and that's not like necessarily to say a consolation prize. Right. Um, Because I feel like Sala and Shanahan are close enough to that. Like Shanahan probably knows before they made this deal with the dolphins, Saul is like, we're going to take Zach Wilson. And so whoever Shanahan takes, that was probably his other guy. And he's perfectly fine with it. So after the first round, anything's open. But for the first round, three is where they're picking. Okay. I love it. Uh, we're going to take one to two more. Uh, Scott, question from Melissa, wide receiver, tight end, running back. Which position, excuse me, should be drafted, undrafted, or not addressed at all? Um, well, given the 49ers success at running back, they should definitely go undrafted there. They can just like find a quick dude, plug him in, and he'll go for 600 yards at six yards a pop. Um, I think wide receiver looks like the position that you'd, you'd like to see them address at some stage. Um, Debo, funny second season, really. I think there were concerns. I know there had been already concerns about his conditioning, just in terms of his kind of what happens Stop to Debo. Stop eating Big Macs. <laughs> Stop yeah, going it, to McDonald's. And by the way, we, we're going to talk about this on Niners News. I want to point this out because the Muhammad Sanu signing does have something to do with this. And I think that that's something that will help Debo in terms of being a professional and getting your body ready. But it was a weird second season. I'd love to see him make a comeback for third season. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no, no worries. I mean, I think, I think, and to that point, like Sanu, we know how Emmanuel Sanders. They, one of the reasons they went and got Emmanuel Sanders was because they were like, we've got young, we've got young wide receivers who need like that helping, that real pro in the room. Um, you kind of thought like Richard Sherman was kind of the daddy of the of the locker room last season, and they kind of lost him now. Um, it's it's a very young roster. Their leaders are like Fred Warner, who's like in his, going into year four now. Um, you, you kind of need those guys who are going to help those those younger players, and I definitely think wide receivers a position to go to. Are you could have been injured a bit, but obviously it was pretty spectacular. But you know that kind of you need as many guys at wide receiver as possible. Um, I'd like to see them get someone who's who's quick, like a real burner. Now that now that they're not committed to Jimmy, that basically made a burner kind of kind of pointless. I mean, we know Ayuk like could be a four three guy probably based on based on his his GPS and stuff. But like another another player who the defense look at and think shit, he's gonna go. He's gonna take the top off of, of, of our defense. Like we want our safeties playing back. We're going to have our corners playing off with cushion, and that just opens the game up. And I think that's really what the full Sanders need to do. I think tight end, like you've got, you've got George, um, who will play through literally anything. If he's got, I'd one like leg, to see Reed come back. By the way, yeah, if I they could resign Reed, that would be good. He, he's he's like the old. He's especially with free agency as it's been. Like we've seen how injured players this free agency have their their value has just been destroyed because teams teams just won't commit any money to a guy who can only play like five or six games a season. So, I, I, yeah, I think wide receiver really is the, is the one position that like they need to go and get because they're running back. We've seen their plug and play. 
tight end they've got George and wide receiver they've drafted two guys quite high in recent seasons um one of whom we need to see a bit more from just in terms of his ability his like readiness um on Sundays and we like we know he's a beast I think Richard Sherman went on a, on a podcast and described him as like Marshall Lynch at wide receiver like like the guy's a monster but we we just need him to be healthy and and like in football condition so that he's not pulling hamstrings on the third rep of the day like he needs to be I don't know whether it's he needs to work out his own thing he needs to work out how to get ready before games he needs to sort his diet out like there's so many things that he it seems like he needs to start thinking about and kind of getting getting ready for him because I, I remember someone said that in off seasons whereas a lot of players like lose weight because when they're when they're on the training Debo actually gains weight and that's way way more problematic as far as muscular injuries if you're gaining weight in the off season, it's fine. If you, if you lose a bit of mass in the off season, then you're, you're kind of, in, it's not so much of a problem. But if you're coming back overweight at a position, which is as explosive as wide receiver, where you're looking at kind of short, sharp reps, m- muscle injuries, like Matt will know more than me. Muscle injuries are, are such a nightmare if that's what's happening. Yeah. And so one of the things with Debo too is, again, with the soft tissue injuries, you definitely want to keep the weight off. So I think Sanu is going to help him as from the veteran perspective, Hey, like it's cool when you're young, you got that college diet of McDonald's or whatever, but now you're in the pros, you got a little money, you know, take time to invest in your body because that's what can carry you through the league. I would love to see Debo Samuel in something like a team sponsored, like yoga class or something like that. Um, Famously in the mid to late nineties, I don't know if there are any basketball heads in here, but Stefan Marbury, who was a point guard in the NBA famously, was having ankle issues. So instead of just like, you know, not taking care of it, what he did was he started doing ballet, which sounds really weird, right? For, for a male athlete to be like, Oh, well, I'm going to do ballet, but it really helped strengthen his ankles. And he was able to mitigate those ankle problems by just taking care of his body. Um, it, I'm, I work in the medical field and we say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that I absolutely believe in that. And so while he's still young, Debo needs to take advantage and really take care of his body. I'd love to see that going forward. Um, and I do agree with you. Ayuk is definitely like a 4-3 guy that can blow the top over a defense. Um, it's just they didn't, haven't had the quarterback to do it with, right? And the deeper you can go, the more you open it up for George Kittle over the middle where he can eat all day long. So definitely we want to get these wide receivers in in better shape and and you know mitigate those injuries that they had last year for this team. All right, we're going to be wrapping things up here. I have one final question for Scott, but real quick, I hope you guys enjoyed our new segments. Matt Rat, we did one time previously, new segment, shit from a Brit. Scott, it was a blast having you on. Before I ask you our last question, though, we had previously discussed our NFL draft giveaway, and we had asked you guys to submit your mock drafts. And if you get the pick and, and round right, we'll send you an autographed jersey. Obviously, now that the, the Niners have traded up to three, you guys can send in an updated mock draft and we'll accept it. Uh, Coach Timo had already emailed me trying to get that under control. And, and yeah, we'll accept another mock draft. Um, for those that haven't seen it, I'll play the video real quick. You got a nice chance at winning an autographed jersey. I mean, pretty much it's whoever quarterback you think they're taking at three. If you get that pick right, you're going to win an autographed jersey. I'll play the video real quick and then we'll wrap it up. Do you think you could be an NFL general manager? How well do you know the NFL draft? 
Submit your picks to 49ers Hive, and if you get one correct, you could win some new gear. More details to follow. Must be following 49ers Hive to enter. So, yeah, there you go. Send in your mock drafts. Uh, I'll put my email. It's just Zach at 49ers Hive. If you're following us on any social media, feel free to DM us from there. And that, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, Scott, final question for you before we wrap things up. The 49ers had a pretty beastly offseason. Matt and I did a Niners News video grading it. How would you grade their offseason so far? Oh, a plus. It's it's been it's been unreal, hasn't it? I think you know that I, I wrote an article actually, um, kind of before free agency, basically saying the the Niners had there was a lot of uncertainty in San Francisco, right? They kind of when you look at the most valuable positions, they they were a bit they were a bit problematic at QB. Wide receiver had been an issue as for the reasons we've just previously discussed. Edge had been an issue for the reasons we discussed cornerback had been was looking like a problem because they didn't have one um and even like left tackle was like probably an issue because we didn't have Trent and then what it took them like four days and they had two starting cornerbacks they had the left tackle back um they brought back juice uh it looked like they probably it looked like they'd also got Mac so they'd got the center and so suddenly you're like like literally plugged all the holes and they then got Tart back who and I think, you know, probably what his contract is probably going to be. They're going to be paying Tart and Ward less than what teams are playing, like some of the teams are playing their best safety. And 49ers have got two for that money. Like, it, it has been a phenomenal off-season so far. Like, hats off to John Lynch and Carl Shanahan. I thought they needed to be decisive. And and it was so weird because they have been so decisive. Like, all the all the time here, like, one thing you can't say is, is that they haven't been they haven't attacked the majority of situations and everything they've done is there's been a clarity to it. There's not, you've not, they've not done something. Then you've been like, that doesn't make any sense based on, based on this. Like everything appears to have had like a flow. There's been logic to it. There's been a clarity to it. And the only position that was just like looking a bit weird, was like, it made no sense how they were dealing at course back. And I was like, what are they doing? Like we can see that there's, he's got big cap here. He's not been doing very much. Like, can they win with this guy? What are they going to need to do? And now they've just like been like, yeah, don't worry, guys. We know that the quarterback situation wasn't good. We know that it wasn't what we needed to be. And you thought we were just sitting on our hands and going to run it back with Jimmy. And they've just gone and like blown out of the water. And I mean, what an off season it's been. As a 49ers fan, like last season was pretty sad. And it was really like worrying coming into the off season that we've been kind of thinking like the window was going to close. There were so many guys going. Cat was low. They look like they're going to sit with Jimmy and just like try and run it back with him with a team that's not going to be the same. He's not going to have the defense anymore. He's not going to have the offense anymore. And now they're like, yeah, we've got the defense back. We've got the offense better. And we've got a QB. Yeah, it's going to be great. And again, you know, we touched on this. It's just this frees them up to do the thing. So they do have two starting cornerbacks. You always worry about Verrett. So now they can spend a third round pick on a cornerback if they need, you know, and it just, it adds depth. So now you're mitigating some of those injury risks. It's, it's been a beautiful off season. I'm, I, you know, before I graded an a minus with this trade, a plus, unless they draft Mac Jones and then F F F minus. Have you guys seen the movie draft day with Kevin Costner? Not Mac Jones, no matter what. That's that's all I'm going to say.
<laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think we're going to end it on that note. Tanya Scott says she loves your accent. Um, yeah, sa- same here. I wish I had that accent. But those dulcet British tones, just they're they're so smooth. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, have a great night. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Um, like this video. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and click that notification bell so you never miss another new video. Scott will definitely be back. And until next time, everyone, go Niners.